Hello and happy Sunday. Welcome to Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn. I am so excited to welcome you each and every Sunday to this exciting 10-part series of Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn, where we discuss what it means to be weightless, not only in our physical health, but our mental and emotional health as well. We venture into weight, weight loss maintenance. We venture into different disease processes as well as health and wellness processes, as well as what it means to feel light and weightless with our emotions spiritually. And today's show will be no different. I cannot wait for you to meet today's guests. But first, we need to hear from our sponsor, And we also need to hear that fabulous theme music that gets us going every week. And I'm so honored that Kenny Brazil Hamilton was able to write that for us. So let's sit back, go ahead and grab your notebooks. You you know how y'all need to do. You like to take notes with this show because we do bring you so much amazing information. So sit back and let's have Kenny take it away. All right, here it comes. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you open up your eyes, you walk away. Just if only they can see it going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless. Matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you open up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn is brought to you by Penn Global Visions, Penn Global Medical Group, and a Tocito Connection. We'd like to thank you for supporting this program and for joining us today. We invite you to listen to the podcasts of all of our shows at anchor.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and videos, of course, on YouTube. Now let's return to Dr. Carol and her super friend guest. Thank you. Ah, welcome back. Welcome back. And thank you so much to our sponsors And a special shout out and thank you to our production team. So yes, this is what powers us up and fuels us up and has helped us be here for 10 seasons, 10 seasons. All right. You know me. I always like to bring our guests on camera so you can see them while we hear about them and learn about their accolades and accomplishments in life. Well, our special guest today is someone that I met 
doing work that is becoming nearer and dearer to my heart on a daily basis. And that is the work of activism. As a matter of fact, the theme of our show this week is embracing Buffalo. We're going to hear that throughout the season. It really is embracing Buffalo, embracing Red Bank. I feel like Buffalo could have been Red Bank, my hometown. And as we look at things and situations and places and people all around the issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, justice, and belonging, we know that this is a vital conversation. It's an important conversation. It is dynamic and it really portends what could be our future for good or for bad, depending upon what we choose. So let's meet today's special guest. I'm going to bring her on camera. I just love her to pieces. There she is. There she is. She's smiling. Yes, yes. We see Victoria Ross. Now she has lots of initials after her name, QCSW, LMSW, MALD, Diplomat, DHL, is a just, and we'll ask her what some of those acronyms mean, just a moment, is, is a justice, peace activist, and social worker. Now board chair at the Western New York Peace Center, she began working there in 2008 and was executive director from August of 2015 to June of 2021. She previously worked as a family therapist as well as working in economic development. Vicky's lifelong emphasis on children, families, and communities includes a focus on healing our broken alert systems. Her community building work includes addressing the power imbalances and policies that must be changed for racial, economic, gender, and environmental justice. As an interfaith practitioner, the mind-body-spirit connection figures prominently in her healing work, as do music, dance, and the arts generally. She's honored to be on waitlist with Dr. Carol Penn. Welcome, Vicki. Welcome, welcome. Wow. Very happy to be here. I'm very grateful to, to know you and to be working with you, Dr. Carol. Uh, thank you so much. And likewise, likewise, this, I will say, I will frame the beginning of our discussion that this is a journey of kindred spirits and allies who have chosen to link arms and walk forward, to walk toward some danger, to walk toward some difference, to walk toward some upset and definitely to walk toward injustice in life. And it is, there are six of us in this Embracing Buffalo crew. We look different. We've been raised differently. We're from different parts of the country. And yet we know that this work that we're engaging in is something bigger than all of us. So tell me, how did you get to be we call you an activist in your introduction. How did you come to be an activist? And what has that journey been for you? And what has that looked like? 
Well, I would say it's been the long way around. Now, people usually assume that I was an activist from the day one. And I'll say, not at all. I was a social worker from the day one. I was a person who wanted to help people from, well, I'd say day one in the sense of um, my dad was a German Jew um, who who got actually in 33 early years of, of the Holocaust, he in, in Munich, which was the, the, the hot, the actual birthing place more than anything of, of Nazi, the Nazi movement. Um, he was told as a 15 year old that if he didn't leave, they were going to take care of him. That was early in 33, but he did things like beat up the leader of the Hitler youth, refused to say Heil Hitler when he went to get his prize at his school and things like that. So that was my dad who was very much about justice. And my, our mom was just, uh, you know, a peacemaker, I would say almost to a fault where she just wanted, you know, peace would agree with people, you know, more, you know, virtually always. Um, and, uh, and, and the other thing, my older sister was um, a paraplegic and technically a quadriplegic. She was in a wheelchair all her life. She died at the age of uh, at the day after her 40th birthday. Um, and then oh, I had a younger brother and sister, still have a younger brother and sister. Um, but so that, that piece in the family. So I was, you know, I was helping my sister before I can remember. Um, and so I think all of those things that peace, justice and the helping people and sort of being in the middle of things um, was something that led me to be that seeker, a social worker, a helper, a helper, you know, wanting to help, having that 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 goal. Um, and, and as far as the activism, I like to tell that story because people think I'm such an activist now. And, and I certainly am, you know, been out in the streets, been arrested just a couple times. Um, <laughs> not, never done any joy, any actual jail time, I must say, luckily for me. But uh, certainly working on the, the criminal justice system, which is an atrocious abomination, um, just so, so unhelpful, mostly unhelpful, just a lot of changes needed there. But uh, my younger, my older sister was an activist on disability issues. And my younger sister was an activist, a political activist. Now I was a social work. Well, I first, I went back to school for, for um, actually studied uh, law and diplomacy, economic development, and wanted to do project work overseas. Um, so I did, I did that work um, but then I ended up, you know, not getting a job, the kind of job I wanted in a refugee camp or something like that overseas. And so finally, I just needed a job. I ended up in banking, following my uh, Vedanta, the Vedanta, because I had a very interfaith um, feeling from go. I had read about Sri Ram Krishna when I was 12. And so he said, all paths lead to same goal. And I, I thought, well, everybody knows that. You know, I felt that, that, that there are so many different spiritual paths and, you know, we don't have to say just because one, you like one doesn't mean the other ones aren't equally valid. So, uh, so anyway, and then I ended up going back to school for social work. Um, and, uh, 
And then, and, oh, and, and as far as becoming an, the activist, though, was the anniversary of 9-11. So my sister had been an activist. She talked to me on the phone. And I'd say, you know, Fritzy, I think I have to get off the phone because I just didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to hear about the political end of it. I wanted the social, the spiritual, all of that, the interpersonal. But uh, on the anniversary of 9-11, the first anniversary of 9-11, I was in a performance art piece because I had been a dancer. I didn't talk about that. been a dancer right along, studied dance right along, uh, minored in dance, you know, uh, did performances and choreography, et cetera. But anyway... So when I I was in this performance art piece as a woman in black, it affected me so profoundly. And plus, when I saw what was happening in the country and the way it was being used to just ratchet up the war making, endless war making, it finally, you know, that 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 barrier between me and the activism broke. And so that's why I say to people, don't give up on people just because they're not doing it now. It may be that it that they feel if they let it, which is what I felt, if I let it into my brain, I'll never have any peace from it. And that's what the way it went down. So, so that is how I became truly an activist. And then when I ended up, I only moved to Buffalo 15 years ago and I had been a social worker and I'd been, um, as I said, now I, I'd become a part-time activist, you know, volunteer activist. But I'd studied law and diplomacy and especially ec- international economic development, which is more policy and, and, and again, more sort of po- political uh, or ho- uh, poli-sci and, and economics. So uh, when I moved to Buffalo, I got offered a job at the Peace Center um, just I had been the primary uh, caregiver for our mother, and that had been an increasingly big job um, just for the last two years of her life. Um, so just two weeks after she died, I was asked to start working at the Peace Center. So that's what I did. And that so that's been the last 15 years in Buffalo, in the Peace, in the Peace Center, and with all the things that are going on both nationally and in Buffalo in particular. Um, Yes, yes. And you and I first met, well, we first met in this peculiar uh, way of Zoom, right? So we're not in an in-person meeting, but we're meeting in in Zoom because of our our colleague, Dr. Sabrina Njai, who had been coming to Buffalo to do some other kinds of work. She's a, a sister social worker to you. Right. And so you had known her for a while. And here's this horrific crime against humanity that occurs May 14th. And now my and my colleagues from the Center for Mind Body Medicine, where we know each other, but certainly independently with our own passions, our own level of activism. Mm-hmm. Um, want to come together and we meet you and we meet Kathleen from the School of Social Work and we meet Sister Deidre, the current executive director of Western New York. So we've got three women meeting three women vis-a-vis the Zoom. And the first opportunity uh, for me to come to Buffalo was actually in July Mm -hmm. with 
um, what doing water is medicine. We were certainly with Coach Mike and the City Swim Project, and you graciously volunteered to come help us um, woman up, power up our table, and also to help us get spread the word and get signups for people who would come back to Embracing Buffalo in August. And it was there that I realized how connected you were in this city and the different groups that you were involved in and how your activism has shown up in Buffalo. Could you talk to us a little bit about how your activism has shown up in Buffalo over the last 15 years? Uh, Sure. I, I would just say, first, I mean, I have been blessed to have the privilege to do work that I believe in that, that fills my heart and soul. So it has been, it's, it is a calling. I mean, as social work is as, you know, and that political activism piece, that's, that's a justice piece. You know, that's a justice piece. It's, you know, in fact, the peace centers, um, the Western York peace center, uh, 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 mission statement is peace through justice at home and abroad. And we actually, at one point we talked about adding in that working together because that is one of the other big things about the peace center. So my, my work is centered It's sort of, I talk about peace on all the levels. So there's everything from the internal working on our own peace and our own justice issues and our own learning edge, right? That we've always, cause it's lifelong learning. But anyway, so peace inside ourselves and, you know, working on getting, you know, uh, awareness and ability to deal with our broken alert systems, right? That the fight, flight, freeze that's on virtually all the time for all of us is so dysfunctional in this society. That's one of the things we see. So anyway, so working on that as well as in our interpersonal relationships and then our families, our communities, and, you know, our, our world, our nation and our world, you know, there's a lot of changes that need to be made. And, you know, as Dr. King said, uh, you know, there is such a thing as too late. So we have a lot of work to do. So, um, so in, in Buffalo, I started off doing peaceful conflict resolution with children especially children and youth, as well as uh, as uh, adults at times or, you know, in different kinds of settings and also a lot of community building. So as the Peace Center's representative out in the community and helping to, you know, build community. And I feel like, you know, we really did such a lot towards building community. It's one of the ways that Buffalo was really getting to be recognized as something where there was a lot of progressive energy. And so I think that, you know, it's worked, you know, Buffalo has been, first, I I love it, my adopted home of 15 years, plus my brother has lived here for, well, since he went to, to Buff State. So he went to school here, then he raised his family here. He's a lifelong Buffalonian. So I did visit beforehand. But so when you look at the Buffalo history, though, and I mean, all the way back, Buffalo is sort of schizophrenic in, you know, and this way that polarization sometimes happens. So there's been plenty of racism, which has also led to plenty of progressivism, 
right? So that there's been the, the birth of the Niagara movement. It was Niagara because it was here in, you know, off of Niagara Falls and along the Niagara River here in Buffalo. Um, that was the, the beginning of, of the NAACP. So that started here in Buffalo. Also, the Haudenosaunee, which we are very connected with the indigenous community here. The Haudenosaunee, the, they, women had rights. Women had power. Women were the ones who decided who the leaders were and who they weren't. And who decided when they weren't, you know, after three warnings, they would get their, you know, they, their time is up. <laughs> you know, so it was the women. And, and you know, actually, uh, Louise uh, Bear has just, uh, who's a Mohawk, just did a film with a woman in the the um, Seneca uh, women's, the birthplace of the women's movement in Seneca Falls, where those women were inspired by the Haudenosaunee women, or otherwise wow. sometimes called the Iroquois women. So, so all of that um, building of community has really, you know, born rewards really percolated, but there's also a lot of, you know, it's always, you know, the pushback, you know, as you get some real progressive energy and then you get, what do they, what do they call it? You know, backlash. Backlash. Right. So, so that's sort of uh, something about Buffalo and something about my work is so much of what I did with children and youth bore results. And so much of what I did in community building sort of prepared me for being the director when I became the director in 2015 and really just to serve, you know, to uh, build awareness of what, where the attention needs to be. And so the Peace Center needs to be, and, you know, and, and struggles to be a platform for working on peace through justice at home and abroad for helping to connect the community. And we have, you know, lots of community connections and, and, and coalitions that are actively working on different issues. So we try to be a good partner in, to all of that. And, um, and, and now I'm very excited, you know, that when I stepped aside a year ago, oh, almost a year and a half ago, um, to, because I, I was very painfully aware as time went on more and more aware that even though as a director, I was being the spokesperson and doing a lot of connecting and speaking and raising awareness, that also it was not my voice that needed to be heard. It needed to be the voice of somebody who experienced marginalization much more than I ever have as yes, a woman, yes, the daughter of a German Jew, um, you know, but you know, uh, I have been very aware how privileged and blessed my life has been. And, you know, so uh, so when I stepped aside and and we happily, um, you know, had uh, Deidre Emel as who had been our our office manager and coordinator, stepped up to the plate and we are just overjoyed to have her leaving the Peace Center. Oh, that is so wonderful. And yes, uh, Sister Deidre ML has also been a guest on the show. This conversation is important. And for our viewing audience, scrolling across the bottom, there's this wonderful article I want 
it to be widely read. It's called A Brief History of Segregation in Buffalo. And it talks about the ongoing black-white divide. And yes. so where where is that now? And and what is what are some of the biggest issues and challenges that not only Buffalo faces, but this is a national and in fact an international discussion when it comes to the pigmentocracy, when it comes to colorism, there seems to be some, sometimes it feels like insurmountable challenges. Well, I I would just say racism goes so deep. It goes so very deep. Um, It's in the air we breathe. And certainly it is alive and well in Buffalo. So I just said, you know, we sing in our praises for a lot of progressivism. We had a, 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 Democratic Socialist candidate who may, who won the Democratic prim, primary for, for mayor. But then I will also say that the mayor came back to uh, win in a write-in campaign. Um, but anyway, so as far as like segregation, we are the sixth most segregated city in the country. We are the third poorest city in the country and our child poverty is second in the country. So that is the state of Buffalo. Now we have things, we have improvements that, you know, we have, you know, I mean, we have the Niagara Falls right here. We have a lot of beauty and we have a lot of history. We have the Underground Railroad and everything else. But we also have the second most uh, number of people who were arrested and charged in January 6th. We had two busloads and whoever else, however else many, who went down for January 6th. Mm-hmm. We have, uh, 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 you know, we have, we have, a, you know, we had the white flight and the white flight has been very real so that, you know, and we have a, a school system that has not been able to get the job done because it, there, there's the money and the challenges and the, you know, we have black leadership but we don't have the we don't have improvements. We just had a study done by our beloved uh, Dr. Henry Lewis Taylor of UB that did a study, and it it said uh, running to stay in place. That and basically said that for the past thirty years there's been no improvement in the situation for Black Buffalonians, even though we've had a Black mayor now for. Um, and a majority of black people on the council. I won't give you the, the, the um, I don't have the, the statistics on the ready at that. That's been true for quite some time. But we've had a black mayor since, you know, is, who is now in his fifth term. Mm-hmm. So, so the, the challenges in Buffalo are very big. Now, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of good things going on. But there's still a lot of challenges, a lot of the segregation is still very real. Of course, the segregation in the churches, we're hopeful and we're, we remain hopeful. I'm hopeful anyway, that the, 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 the um, faith community can start to take more of an active part in really integrating and really, really um, building community uh, and uh, 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 an interracial, inter, you know, interfaith and uh, just interconnected community instead of all this separation and segregation. 
And it's so frustrating because on the one hand, there is the progress. You talk about you have an African-American mayor. There's been African-Americans on the council and different positions throughout the city. Yet what? It, what is the consciousness that holds this inequity, this separation in place? Because there, there is no equality. There is certainly almost no equity. What, you know, what and how are things held so tightly in place? I mean, I, I, I can't help but think that it is a consciousness on both sides of the equation that that is in struggle with with one another? Well, I think entrenched power is a big part of it. That's what mm-hmm. I just said. And so when you say that somebody is in place for, you know, in their job for, for five, uh, you know, five terms, that's entrenched power. But you know, I think it goes further than that. I mean, the the redlining and 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 the racism that was in place in Buffalo, you know, is just it goes down through the ages. So even though it had we had the Underground Railroad here coming through, we also had, um, you know, from the fugitive slave law, people coming in and 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 trying to get the people who were traveling the Underground Railroad. So there, there was, there's all of that going on. The other thing I'd say, um, it's just that back to what I said, what we, what we've said about racism, that it goes so deep and it's so pervasive. And this country and this city, you know, um, have not really addressed or, 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 or dealt with the the uh the history and so then we don't we haven't dealt with the legacy so we need to have those difficult conversations and then we need to make the real changes i just saw you know all around my neighborhood oh they call it the city of good neighbors and so it was a lightning flash to me that that means but because my neighbors are white and so you know, actually, Deidre's in a little bit more. There are some mixed pockets in different areas, but most people, their neighbors are their same race in most places. So so we still have such a lot of work to do in that respect. And until we really address it and have the co- difficult conversations and then are ready for change and make those changes and inf- and, and demand those changes, from our elected officials. So I was just starting to say, we just have all these the rate on the 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 west side, which is the the whiter, or at least the Delaware district is the the whitest. We had um, we're just having roads repaved. Why aren't they? Why aren't they massively doing the east side? Why? So we just have we we just had redistricting and reapportionment and the the common council left it with their own plan even though there was a better that was measurably better in every category or in or in it was measurably better period let's just say that not i'm not sure that's true in every category but it was true in the majority of categories because it take because the reapportionment has a 
a, uh, it's not a white majority city, but the majority of districts have a white majority uh, uh, constituency. Mm. That's the, that is the textbook definition of gerrymandering. It's yeah. gerrymandering. And they went ahead and, and approved that. So, so what, so it just goes so deep because people, it's people's fear of change. It's people's, you know, not wanting to rock the boat It's in entrenched power. It's all those things. And it's the, the deep down racism and fear goes that deep, I guess. I mean, you know, I think that's part of it anyway. Well, you know, it's interesting. It seems to be, um, certainly from my experience with with Buffalo and that the comment that the gentleman on the street said, well, you all aren't from here. <laughs> we were like, well, how do you know we aren't from here? He says, because if you look in the faces of people with brown faces like yours, mm-hmm. there's no life in their eyes. And that's how I know who's from here and who isn't from that here. there's no life in their eyes? Is that what No you life, no life. You know, it's like, you know, expressionless, just going through the motions. And he was saying there was a vibrancy. And that's how he knew to ask us, well, where are you from? And, you know, what are you doing here? And we're like, well, how do you know? We're right. not from here. And so with this history of that, which, you know, bespeaks of trauma, bespeaks of disappointment, bespeaks of lack of access, generation after generation after generation. And certainly, and you talk about we need to have these difficult conversations. And we were able to touch on that when yeah. we were doing our various groups throughout the city of Buffalo. Tell us what is what's happening now with this project, embracing Buffalo. Take us into what's what's going on and what's unfolding with the project. Well, well we've had the 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 you know we had everyone come in um, from the Center for Mind Body Medicine, and we put together a series of different oppor- healing opportunities for people with really the emphasis on the healing, and then you know what would come in with it you know, fine. So that those honest conversations, and you know, I was the biggest proponent. I know, you know, every time I kept saying, we need those honest conversations, but we also need to get the people to the table who need to have them too, and who have the power to really make the changes. So that's a whole nother layer of, you know, um, uh, need of need and, and, and work to be done. Um, but you know, what we had was just, very meaningful to all who came, you know, we, it was, you know, publicized. It was, um, we had, you know, um, just very optimally sized groups. So not too big, not too small, you know, to in, in really every setting. And we had it for survivors and for the people most heavily affected for family members, for, um, for first responders, and uh, and black leaders, especially for black leaders and healers who were just working so hard. And, you know, I mean, everything, one of the things I think I've always believed, you know, and it's in virtually every faith tradition has its many stories about who knows what's good and what's bad. Well, we can know what's bad and we can know that a thing is bad, but that doesn't mean that there aren't good things that will come from it, right? So this heinous heinous massacre 
just a huge. So here we just described the, 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 the situation in Buffalo and then to be hit with that. It, it was just so traumatic and debilitating. Yet, and, and, then, and then we had all the politicians get up and say, city of good neighbors, city of good neighbors, city of good neighbors. And, and then we had, that's when I had my realization of what does that really mean in the sixth mm-hmm. most segregated city in the country. Um, but there, you know, it is a handle for work. So it has, it, it, I mean, I, I, I was there the day after on the street when there was a, there was a prayer service and, uh, you know, and the community just coming together. And we actually had the Women's March, too, that same day. But um, that, there were, it was, of course, it was crawling with reporters, right, from all over the world, all over the country and all over the world. And you can believe that the people on the street were telling it like it is. They were not saying, oh, city of good neighbors. You know, they were saying, you know, this can, this, we have problems here. We need help here. We need change here. And, you know, we just, you know, been kicked while we're down kind of thing. So you're worse than kicked, just trampled and strampled and just the aching. And it's still there. It's not gone away. But what has happened is there are efforts for healing that, as embracing Buffalo was, and there were other things from other parts of the community, that same sort of thing, because we we know what we need, you know, in a deep way. You know, we our heart will tell us. I just read a, a, a Bible verse that said, you know, what is what is what is it? You know, sort of as the indigenous people talk about our original instructions that we need to follow so that life will continue in this creation. Well, in this Bible verse, it said, you know, what is it? Is it far away that you need to send somebody to get it or, you know, to the heavens or far away? They said, no, it is written on your own heart and it is in your own mouth. Beautiful, beautiful. On that note, we're going to take a pause so we can think and reflect on that. And we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Weightless with Dr. Carol Penn is brought to you by Penn Global Visions, Penn Global Medical Group, and a Tocito Connection. We'd like to thank you for supporting this program and for joining us today. We invite you to listen to the podcast of all of our shows at anchor.com. Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to podcasts and videos, of course, on YouTube. Now let's return to Dr. Carol and her super friend guest. Thank you. Oh, well, again, thank you so much to our sponsors. And Vicki, already the time has flown by, but I'd like to wrap it up you know, I'm a dancer, you're a dancer. We have bonded as sisters through the arts. And for both of us, the arts has not only been about beauty, but it's also been about our activism and been about our spirituality. And we've been able to interweave the arts into our lives. And I just have to share this quote with our viewers and our listeners. You got to resurrect the deep pain within you and give it a place to live that's not within your body. 
Let it live in art. Let it live in writing. Let it live in music. Let it be devoured by building brighter connections. Your body is not a coffin for pain to be buried in. Put it somewhere else. Where are you putting your pain these days and what makes you hopeful? Well, I I think dance is especially, first of all, I've been putting a lot of it into music. I have to say that's one thing because I do play um, and I play by ear. And, you know, music is so expressive, but I, I want to give a special shout out about dance. So when you say movement is my medicine, you know, I saw that so resonates to me. But the thing is, because trauma, we just talked about fight, flight, freeze. There is a, we're a body, mind, spirit complex. So, but the body carries trauma in, in, in tangible, physical ways that are the, 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 the adrenaline, um, cortisol and the epinephrine, I think it is, that goes, you know, streaming through our body when the fight, flight, freeze is going on, which when is it not going on for most people because of trauma? And that could be historic trauma or, you know, certainly a lot of internalized shame. So shame being the subtle trauma that, uh, you know, if you don't see another trauma, it it very well, and it can be very middle class for shame, you know, in this shame based society. Um, so, so, so many traumas and historic traumas, and then stress being, you know, people have very real stresses in terms of activity level, finances, all of it. So that is in our body. So how do we take it and put it out of our body? And so, as you, I love that quote that you gave because it really says, I mean, I, I know some of my most upset times in my life when I've danced it out, you know, I've danced it, you know, and, and, and when we create, when we come to that creative place, it can be from joy. It can be from love, but it can also very much be from trauma, pain, hurt, and anger. You know, all of those things, just a healthy way of bringing it out, bringing it out into the open you know, letting it see the light of day and so that we're not encumbered by it. I, it's such a beautiful quote. I'm so grateful for your sharing it. Oh, thank you. And and we know that we're going to be having a community offering. Our sister colleague, Dr. Yes. Esma Ray in Embodyology, yes. is going to give Embracing Buffalo and our participants a chance to dance, a chance to dance it out, move it out, write it out, sing it out, really exploring rhythms because yes, all lived experience gets writ down the long bones of our body for good or not for good. And that trauma can lodge there and wreak havoc in yeah. my body and spirit because of its taking up residence in the body. So I'm really excited about this upcoming opportunity that we're going to be putting it out there. It's a, it's a virtual offering, although some people in, in Buffalo will actually get to have the virtual synchronous experience. And can people still donate to Embracing Buffalo for the yes. ongoing work? People can still donate to Embracing Buffalo. Just go to WNYPeace, you know, P-E-A-C-E dot org, not Peace Center. 
but WNYPeace.org. You can, there's a button right there. It's very easy to find to donate to Embracing Buffalo. And I want to say I'm especially interested in embodyology because, um, well, as a dancer and as somebody who in my, I think I was in my, I was a little bit into my 40s, but I mean, I was not a kid taking uh, Bharatanatyam. Now, my, my roots are in gram technique, and that's why I love that you worked for, with Alvin Ailey, that you were an Alvin Ailey dancer, my heart, oh, my heart. So, so and that whole, you know, tradition, you know, and everything that she brought, that he brought, and heavy on improv, that's what, so as an older, as a, you know, middle, I, I would say, you know, some people would say 40 middle-aged or whatever you want to call it, I started with, um, with Indian classical dance because I wanted to increase my dance, my movement vocabulary, which it very much did. <laughs> it was quite the opposite to anything I'd ever really done, most of it. Um, so I'm just very excited about embodyology for that reason and just to see a new, a different take on it with different sort of, a, just a little different approach that will, you know, I know it will resonate and I know it'll be a very exciting opportunity for people, whether they are able to come in person or coming on uh, virtually. Absolutely. And I, for one, am looking forward to coming back to Buffalo, linking arms with you, Sister Vicki, and, and, and keep opening up these challenging discussions in all kinds of spaces and, and moving toward a place of change that truly is expansive and inclusive and where people are able to be centered in the heart of belonging. So thank you for being a guest on the show. I'm looking forward to the conversation continuing and it has been such a delight. Promise me you'll come back. Oh, absolutely. And it has been a great uh, honor and privilege and a joy to be on this show with you. And I'm very much looking forward to our next, which will be probably at the first in Bodyologies. Oh, and we do we do have a meeting for Embracing Buffalo coming up too. So but I'll look forward. And Absolutely. So here's to our ancestors. Here's to the honoring the ancestral homeland of the Iroquois people and the Lanai Lenape people. Here where I am. Here is to remembering the journeys of our ancestral lineage, yours and mine and all the viewers. Because together, this is the kind of community that I want to belong to and the kind of community where we have the opportunity to become the change we want to see in the world. Love you so much. Love you so much. Take care. Now. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks. Weightless, weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing. Weightless. No matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they can see it going through your paces It's amazing Weightless, Weightless.
matter what people say, you're full of greatness. Time you opened up your eyes, you were courageous. If only they could see you going through your paces. It's amazing.